This audio presentation was pre-recorded and edited for brevity and clarity. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our monthly Bright Focus chat presented by the Bright Focus Foundation. My name is Guy Eakin. I'm the Vice President for Scientific Affairs for the Bright Focus Foundation. Today, we're going to talk about making the most of your next visit to the doctor. So if you'd like to, if you'd like to submit a question at any time during today's call, please press star 3, and you, that'll take you out of the call to an operator who can take down your question for you. And if you are, for some reason, disconnected from the call, I want to give you a number to call back to call back into that is 877-229-8493 you'll then be asked to punch in the ID code 112435 that's 112435 so we're going to try some real-time programming today um, in order to make that possible, in order to tailor our talk to, to you, the listeners. We want to get a little bit of information from you. So our question, we want to run this as a survey, and we we'll ask you to respond to the survey by pressing a number on your telephone. We want to ask the question, how long have you had macular degeneration? And you can answer using the keypad on your telephone, pressing 1 if you were just recently diagnosed Press 2 if you've had macular degeneration or another low vision disease for many years. And press 3 if you're on the call today for a friend or a family member. So that's 1 if, it, if your diagnosis was very recent, 2 if you've had macular degeneration for a number of years, or 3 if you're on the call for, for somebody else. So while, that, uh, while those, those votes are coming in, we want to welcome our guest speaker today, Marty Bailey who is director of the Sibley Hospital Senior Association Community Health. Marty spends much of her day helping people uh, to navigate the healthcare system. And Marty, thank you for joining us today. I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about what you do at Sibley. Sure. Um, thanks so much for having me today. Our commitment, Sibley's commission, uh, commitment to patients isn't just when they're a patient inside the hospital, but it really extends to them in the, into the community. We do support groups, exercise, health lectures, and so on. And specifically, uh, Sibley has a great commitment to both uh, older adults and people who have low vision. Thank you. Thank you. So we are, we are starting to get in the results, and it sounds like a lot of people have had our macular degeneration for many years on this uh, have had macular degeneration for many years. And so they're probably on, on plans. They're probably already seeing a, uh, an ophthalmologist or a retinal specialist that they are, they are familiar with. But it happens to be the open enrollment time in a number of plans right now. And we want to have a little bit of conversation for those people who are out there considering whether or not they're getting the right treatment. How do you, how do you think about that process of Getting a uh, of going and finding a new doctor. So, how, what do you what do you recommend for getting started on that question? Well, there are several different things that that I would start with, but the most important thing that I can say is it's really important to get curious. Get curious about what physician is in your plan. Get curious about what physician treats what illnesses, particularly if you have an ongoing condition, then you'll, you'll know that you need to uh, see a physician that, that will provide the treatments that you 
have been accustomed to getting. And if you're newly diagnosed, you're going to want to find the right ophthalmologist for your particular situation. One of the things you want to do is you want to talk to your friends that if you've had the condition for a long time, you know who in your community probably is the right person to ask. If you're in a rural community, you may have to use a lot of computer resources in, in order to find the right physician for you. But you can also hopefully use your friends and family to use to get that information. If you're experienced with your condition, then you'll also have some opportunities to just share your concerns with a friend or a family member and ask if they know some of the physicians that are on your new plan or if that has changed or if they can recommend someone if you're not satisfied or don't feel that you've been getting the results that you would like. I think that's uh, that's wonderful advice when we talk about talking to our friends. I think regardless of the condition we're talking about, it's it's very common that once we're honest and start talking with friends and family, you start to find out that there's a lot of people with experience in this, uh, you know, in, in your particular condition. Would are there any common community resources if someone's having trouble finding a friend or a family member? Are there common community resources that one can go to to identify these, to identify a, a doctor that might represent a change for you, or even a uh, for a first-time diagnosed person, a, a new doctor? Well, it's interesting that you should ask that question because right here at Bright Focus, there is on the website a physician locator service. And also, if a person feels uncomfortable using the website, one can call Bright Focus directly and get one-on-one personal attention at physician locating. That's absolutely correct. In, in, terms, of the, uh, in, terms, of other, uh, in terms of other services that might be in a community, are, are there local areas that, you might, uh, that might, you might suggest that people go to to inquire about resources that might be available for, for an aging community or other forms of assistance that might be out in, in either big cities or small? Sure. Usually there's an agency on a local agency or area agency on aging, and they usually have some great information. They should be able to help people troubleshoot. And outside of that, many localities, states, and other jurisdictions have got offices on aging, and those would also have good information. Well, so if we, if we, get through the point that we've actually decided, you know, where which doctor we're going to, we've made that appointment, we're getting ready to to go and have that appointment. What there's going to be a period of preparation. We can't just go in cold. So what what what's what are your best practices for preparing for the doctor's appointment and making sure that you're you're in your top shape for for going in and getting the information you need. Well, do you mind, guy, if I just back up just a little sure. bit? I'd love to talk about really quickly making sure that your physician is covered and finding out if they're in network or out of network. I think it really helps to know up front how you're going to pay for or what the physician will expect you to pay when you arrive. Many physicians um, ask you to pay in full at the time of service, 
and then they bill later, and then the, the insurance pays you. Um, other insurance, or I'm sorry, other physicians ask you to give your insurance card. They do the billing and then bill you for the remainder. I think it's super helpful to know upfront how that billing is going to take place. And that would be something that the office staff could help you with when you when you make a call in. Or Absolutely. And while you're on the phone with that office staff, I think it's really good to talk with the office staff and find out the skinny on how many patients that physician has with your particular condition and just just be friends with get get to be friends with that gatekeeper that front desk person that helps you get prime um, appointment times it helps you develop a relationship so that if you need to see the doctor quickly that's important too and then in just in general setting up a an opportunity to meet the receptionist one often neglects that relationship, but it's one of the most important relationships in in that office. Absolutely, we we, we all know who who's making the uh, who who's keeping to the clock and who's making everything tick in the doctor's offices. It's often that person behind the desk there. So uh, so, is there anything else on that on that getting ready that uh, and making the appointment that you'd like to? like to say? Well, the only other thing I would like to do is, is ask when you talk to the receptionist, just make sure that the physician is also one that welcomes friends and family being present at the appointment because you'll want to potentially take somebody uh, with you, either a care partner or a friend um, with you. And so you'll want to know that that physician welcomes uh, people to come in with you. Absolutely. So that that's Part of that, uh, that part of that preparation. I think I started to ask a question a little earlier about what are the things that I need to get ready. And uh, sounds like you might tell me I might want to grab a friend. Grabbing a friend would be great. So what? So what else is going to help me? You know, what what do I need to bring into that that ophthalmologist appointment to make sure that I'm there with as much information as I need to help the ophthalmologist help me and to walk away with the information I need. Sure. One of the most important things is to take with you a current list of your medications. And if that's uncomfortable for you, you are welcome in almost every case to throw them into a paper bag and take everything with you. That would include things like uh, eye drops or any kind of uh, supplements that you might be taking that would include your um, over-the-counter any over-the-counter item that you're taking, and also all prescription items. And you'll also want to have your um, medical records with you if this is your first time with a physician. Yeah, I think, um, you know, from our experience here at Bright Focus, the, on the research side, the, the issue of what supplements you're taking. If you're, if you're taking, you know, melatonin, if you're taking anything that's coming out of a, out of a bottle, you know, uh, even if you're sometimes if you're drinking grapefruit juice, you know these these are all things that you want to let the the let the doctor know because uh, many of these supplements can potentially interfere with the with the medications that you're taking. But so you're you you talk to us about the uh, the medical records and how much lead time should we should we give in having medical records sent over? What um, is there a period of weeks that you would suggest requesting the medical records from another office before before having it sending over? How much time does the doctor need to, to, to look over those things? Well, it depends on how digitized 
your previous doctor is. If your previous doctor has everything um, online, that can usually be pretty fast. However, I would submit that it's probably going to be as individual as the physicians, and it depends on how busy their office is. What the easiest thing to do is to take your, you know, call the receptionist at your previous physician's office and ask them how much lead time they need if you're going to be, if you need to change physicians because of your new insurance plan. Okay. So we talked about a little bit here about preparing yourself and making sure you're walking in with the right, uh, with the right equipment, uh, the right, uh, the medications, the right records. But we, we kind of touched on you're going to bring this friend along maybe. And so what, what do you need to do to, to prepare that friend for the, for the conversation or, or for, for anything that they might aid you with? Well, one of the things that you'll have to do before you even ask them is to be sure that you're being completely honest with them about your condition and, and also um, that you feel comfortable telling them, talking about your medical condition and not just your eyes, but your medical conditions in front of that friend because so many of our chronic conditions have impact on the health of our eyes. So we want to be able to to be free to speak honestly and openly with the friend or family member regardless of what the situation is with the ophthalmologist. That would mean if you have diabetes, if you have um, high blood pressure, any of these things that might influence the health of your eyes, just be open to, if you're going to take somebody with you, you need to know that they will know a fair amount about you, and you need to be prepared for that. So for the for the friend who might be a little bit more vocal in the meeting, you know, and might be uh, might be jumping in, what are the uh, what's the coaching that you give to the friend in, in terms of how how does a friend who's in that office with you best aid you in your conversation with your doctor? That's a really good point to make. One of the things you want to do with your friend is to ask your friend to be your listener, to be your fellow listener, and to ask them if they would take notes. If you give them a job up front, they'll be less likely to interfere or to try to be your parent in the middle of the appointment. But if you've asked them to please make sure to write down everything that we say, then having given them the job in advance, that will really help to direct them to what your your needs are. However, if you freeze up when you get to the physician's office, there are a couple of ways to deal with that. One is to ask your care partner or friend to help you if you find yourself freezing up. But in the in the absence of that, the other thing is to make a list or make a note of everything or help someone ask you, uh, help you brainstorm the questions you want to ask. That way, when you actually get to the physician's office, excuse me, get to the physician's office, you will be prepared not only to know what the questions are you're going to ask, but if you freeze up generally, then then you'll be a lot more confident having that list with you. 
Yeah, I think we've all had that experience. My wife and I joke that the part of my brain that houses memories is actually located in her skull. You know, we we rely on we all rely on somebody else for so much of. Uh, especially in those stressful situations like a doctor's office. So if you're if we're taking notes then you're we're probably going to have um papers pens and and things like that uh, that we need to bring along to the doctor's office. But is there any other trick of the trade that you find that you find helpful or something that's wor- you know that that maybe sounds like a good idea but's just worth leaving behind? So one of the things that I find especially helpful is to make sure that whatever I need to make my sensory perception as sharp as it can be, if I need a hearing aid, if I normally wear a hearing aid, if I have corrective reading glasses or corrective vision or anything that I need, a magnifying glass, a a reader, a recorder, any of those things that you think you would find helpful, those were, would be the things I'd recommend taking with you. It, um, the, the main thing is that your sensory perceptions are as sharp as you can make them. So do you ever, I, I have the experience that maybe for, for myself and my family, there are times a day that are probably better that I take a uh, that I try to make appointments, you know, because things are a little bit more chaotic for us in the in, potentially in the afternoons. Is that common? Is that something that uh, that that you experience? That you that or is or or is that something that sort of one must just shoulder and <laughs> move on? Well, there are a couple different ways to look at that. If you are a person, I I use this example all the time. Um, my middle child. One per- couldn't even speak to her before nine o'clock in the morning. It just didn't work. So if you're the kind of person that is not a morning person, your best bet is to not take, not accept a morning appointment, if unless that is absolutely the last available appointment that you can get for that month. Um, get a time that is your best time. If you are best at 11 a.m. after you've you've dressed and gotten your coffee and feel like your brain is completely alert, then make that 11 p.m. or 11 a.m. If, if you need something that is later in the day, go with that. But really suit yourself. Find the time that you are the most alert and feeling the freshest. Okay. I want to remind people who are on the call with us today that you can leave a um, – you can leave our call if you'd like to ask a question. So the way you do that is you press star three to submit your question, and that'll take you to an operator. And if for some reason that you're disconnected from the call, which rarely happens, but occasionally it does, we do have a number to call back in, and that number is 877-229-8493. That's 877-229-8493. And you'll be asked to punch in an ID code, which is 112435. So again, if you press star 3, that'll take you to one of our operators. And if you have a question to pose to, to, to Marty then, uh, or, or to anyone here at Bright Focus, then that is, um, that's the way to do it. Press star 3. So one of the things that it comes up time and time again in all of our lives is, is time management. And in the doctor's office, Marty, you, you, we know that we only have 
a very precious little amount of time with the doctor. So what, how do you make the most of that time in terms of your, your conversation and managing that time and making sure that things are staying where you want them to be? Remember earlier when I mentioned about the list of the questions you want to ask or the things you want to discuss? Those are really important to prioritize. Have those in priority order. What is the most important thing you want to achieve at that doctor appointment? And then start with that and stick to it. Stick to your list. Stick to your point. And many times, and especially in your first appointment, you're going to be so tempted to get to know your doctor and to be really social. But I would encourage you to try to keep that time to a minimum but you were um you were saying that you're you're you want to make sure that you're prioritizing your list and you're 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 helping your doctor stay on point and stick to the point uh in in terms of the conversation that Absolutely. you have with that doctor and you know when the uh how do you move with a doctor who wants to tell you all the things that you need to do how do you move that how do you move those questions along when maybe you know when maybe they uh maybe you get it maybe you know maybe the doctor's still going on or maybe it's just something that you feel like you're just nodding your head you know so how do you uh how do you navigate those waters so here's here are some words i like to use if the physician is um taking us down a path that i really don't want to go that i i really want to concentrate on this priority goal then I'll generally say something along this along this line of I really am concerned about XYZ. Do you mind if we concentrate on that and get all my questions around that answered first? And generally they'll be very cooperative about that. They're okay. respectful about that in most cases. Okay. And so so that's true and I think sometimes you know we uh we we have the physician will, will ask a question and tell you that you know you know guy Big Macs are really uh, really not the best thing for you and you know darn if I just don't like Big Macs and I know that as many times as the doctor is going to tell me about that um, you know that's probably not going to change my behavior so what what kind of guidance would you have for for helping a helping a physician just kind of come to come to terms with who you are as a person in a way that's not that's not offensive but allows them to just respect that this is where they're going to get with you and that, that this is your your health and that you're in control one of the things that I find helpful and I've encouraged other people to do is to talk with the physician about just really be brutally honest if they give you a protocol or they give you a list of things to do or they ask you to change your diet and you know you're not going to do that, just be honest with them and say, you know what, that doesn't fit into my lifestyle. What can we do that accomplishes the same thing or gets close to that without me having to change the things that I love? For example, I'll give you an example. I, I don't do very well with carbohydrates. And so I was advised to give up white anything white, you know, bread, rice, sure. everything. So essentially what I said to my physician is, you can ask me to do almost anything, but I really don't think I can give up sushi. 
And so, and that has white rice. And so the physician helped me work around that with getting rid of that. Um, I can get it with brown rice or I can uh, change my diet for the rest of the day. But if you will be honest with the physician and tell them what works for you, even to when, what time of the day you're more likely to take medications, whatever that works out to be, if you are honest with them, they can help you find a workaround. The the danger is when they give you something that's going to improve your health and you don't do anything, you don't tell them you don't like it, and then you just choose not to do it. So I, we're in, the, uh, we're in the, the appointment with our ophthalmologist now, and we have our notepads, we have our listening partner, you know, our, our care partner in there with us, and we know that the physician's going to give us some specific recommendations about treatments and we'll probably write those things down. But what are the things that we might forget to ask? What are, what are the things that when a, when a physician prescribes a new prescription or begins talking to you about, uh, about a treatment, what are the things that in your experience people forget to ask or think about later on or may not even know that they need to ask? With a new prescription in particular, I would ask if there's a generic equivalent in case the insurance company you work with doesn't have that in the formulary. I would also ask, are there any side effects you should be concerned about? Or um, I, I know that this might be offensive to some physicians, but I think it's appropriate to always ask, is there a chance this could interfere with anything else I'm taking? And then, um, then also I think it's really important to to prepare yourself too by by asking the physician quite frankly what is this supposed to do for me and what positive benefits will I gain by adding another medication to my list so can you give us an ex- i mean i i hear that coming up you know time and time again and and people Physicians usually have a reason for for making a prescription, but can you give us an example of that situation where where maybe the maybe the medication that's being prescribed uh, might might be for a surprising reason? Do you, do you have something from you know a familiarity with a uh, with a case study that you might might be able to share with us that sort of says what where someone might have found a little bit of surprise and maybe of that, well, maybe that medication's not necessary after all, or maybe we should look at a different medication. Well, I think that depending on, depending on your history with certain physicians, and depending on whether this is your ophthalmologist we're talking about or primary care physician, and depending on how many medications you take, if a person takes, let's say, 15 medications, Every time you add one more medication, there's a possibility of what we call polypharmacy, which is what happens when you put all of those together. So the idea would be that you you make sure as you're adding medications that um, that it's something that you're willing to add. So, for example, um, some physicians will suggest a medication to get rid of a symptom, but it may not be a symptom that you're that averse to. So you may not want to have the the side effects for something that, okay, well, I can put up with the, the condition or the symptom as long as I don't have 
to put up with these side effects. So you just want to weigh the balance and ask the physician to help you do that. Well, I think that's that's fantastic. So you talked about asking about generic equivalents. and yes. cert- Certainly in macular degeneration, we have only a few approved therapies, and there's a lot of differences, especially in cost and coverage on those therapies. So I think that's that's terrific advice. Uh, the you know ask just recapping, you know, asking about side effects, asking about inter drug interactions uh, are all things that we want to make as bullet points on the list of what of what the notes are that we're we're taking. So when some when there's a potential side effect, um, how does the um, how, what's the best way to uh, what's the best way when you're worried about a potential side effect to you know to to request follow up from that from that physician is there is let me think if I can uh, rephrase that a little bit is that um, if I'm worried that because of poly polypharmacology that you that you mentioned that there's going to be uh, potential neurological outcomes you know is the you know i would i would imagine that you would have uh you would have a conversation with the physician about where where you would go to actually have those potential side effects assessed and maybe we you know maybe the um uh yeah i guess maybe what i would ask for is what's the best way of asking the questions of whether or not side effects are something that would be treated within the physician's office or by bringing in a team of physicians and uh, what type of consulting might might be done by that uh, by that physician to get you the the care that you might need for those sorts of observations is there a is there sort of a standard way of of, of going about that and figuring out what the you know what that pathway would be for you know for referrals before you actually um, you know, before you actually come up on the problem, or is that something that you sh- you would take up a you know take up after the uh, take up after the symptoms present themselves? Well, I I think it's best to have to address the issue with your physician up front and say uh, that you want to consider the possible side effects, the benefit of taking the medication or doing the protocol or the treatment versus the possible side effects. And and as I mentioned, have the physician help you weigh that out. And at the end of that, if if the physician says that your condition perhaps will progress unfavorably if you don't do the treatment, then at that point, then I would want to suggest to to our listeners that they ask how that we would address the, the side effects. Okay. So I, that sounds, you know, that sounds fine. I think we're going to get to a point here where we've we've left the doctor's office. We're we're going to be at home, and there's going to be a period of time where we're still trying to figure out how to uh, how to how to debrief and understand what just happened at the at the appointment, and maybe figure out what the what the next steps would be. So, what once you get home, what are the things that you recommend that a patient do in order to make the most of that visit that they just had, and whatever the next one will be? Well, it would be great since somebody is obviously um, taking you to the taking you to the doctor appointment, um, a care partner or friend, maybe to go out for coffee and sit down and talk about what happened and lessons learned and what do I, 
how did that go? And just sort of do a debrief right then while it's fresh for everybody. And that will give you some input for your own experience going next time, next month when you have your follow-up appointment. And to that point, be sure while you're there at the physician's office to go ahead and book your next appointment. And then that friend, if, if the friend is a good choice to go with you this time and you think that that person would be great for next time, go ahead and ask them if they might be willing to take you again and they could be your care partner for that particular physician. And I think that would be go a long way, too, to having that be a consistent uh, experience for both you, the care partner, and or friend, and the physician. Then everybody always knows what to, what to expect. So getting back to the debrief, you go back, go have your coffee, talk about what happened, and there's a lot of times we end up, um, especially if there's some bad news given, we can almost come out of the doctor's office in a, a, a bit of a, a kind of a numbing experience or a, a little bit of spaced out. And, and um, so we, we have to decompress about that and figure out if, if maybe you're not the kind of person that can talk about it right away. And that's okay. As soon as you're able to talk about it, then go ahead and make a list of the things that you would like to change for next time. I think, you know, we come home, you know, regardless of if it's the ophthalmologist or another doctor, we come home with prescriptions or advice. And, you know, the issue of, of how, how, do, how closely do we follow that advice always comes up. And I, I can say, you know, at, at Bright Focus, we're aware of a number of NIH studies that say that the timing of office visits for ophthalmology, especially for macular degeneration, is very important. And whatever your doctor is recommending, you really want to make sure that you're, if it's a monthly visit, that you're really staying on that calendar, making a monthly visit. But for the other things that might be require action on our own in our house, taking a pill, uh, doing something every day, you know, what what types of uh, advice do you give to to help people make that possible or you know, or uh, report back if it's not possible. What what are what are the t tricks of the trade there? There are a couple of things. One that if you have a hard time remembering your medications and taking them on time, there are some actually electronic items that can be pre-programmed with your medications in them, and will actually give you a little alarm that says it's time for you to take it take it, you push the button, and there the medications are prepared. Now, you have to set that up for yourself for the week, but that is a, a device that can be used. Some people use the little medication box, uh, pill reminder boxes. Other people use envelopes. Whatever works for you is what you should be doing to help keep yourself on schedule. Well, I'd like to take some questions, but one of the, one of the first questions we have is, about uh, about second opinions, and this seems like this is a this is an area where one might have con um, conflicting emotions around asking a, telling a doctor that you're going to seek out another doctor's opinion. What what's customary there? How do people actually tell a doctor they're going to get a, a, a second opinion? Are there any conditions in which you know you might want to have a little bit of diplomacy around that? Sure. It's almost like um, breaking up with your hairdresser. It's a miserable thing to, 
think about doing. But just remember, when you, when you are getting ready to say this, you're going to just advise, ad, advise the physician that you would like just to talk to somebody else about it. And most physicians, if it's somebody that you really want to be seeing yourself, most physicians are going to be very comfortable with you getting a second opinion. And quite bluntly, if they're not okay with it, it may not be the physician you want. I think that's I think that's great advice. And I and here's another sort of politic question that actually comes in from one of our friends in North Dakota, North Dakota, who has a ongoing fr- frustration with a doctor that she sees and uh, one that many others in in her independent living community share. And she says that no matter what her concern is, the doctor always tells her that she's experiencing it because of age. And so how should she handle this situation to get the answers that she needs for very real symptoms? My recommendation would be what I heard someone say just today, and that is, would you be giving me me the same counsel if I were 50 years younger? And if the physician can say, yes, I, I, I would be having you do the same thing, then that's one thing. But if the physician would say, if you're 30, 40, 50 years younger, I would give different advice, then I would, I would encourage that physician to perhaps be a little less ageist and start treating the condition and not the age. I think that that word ageist is something that we hear uh, coming up more and more often that is just not a word that's been talked about in, and it is a uh, it, it for many people is absolutely as offensive as racist or sexist language and i um, I, I I tend to completely agree with you and there's uh, there's uh, uh, confronting those doctors in that situation is well within anybody's rights. Another another listener, um, this is uh, Burton from California, is asking the question again about places to places to go for help. And maybe maybe so. Certainly, the Bright Focus website has some uh, has many resources available for uh, for information as well as for doctor doctor locator services. But would you mind repeating the information you gave about community services for for Mr. Burton? Sure, absolutely. the the area the area agency on aging is a good place to go. Many physicians might be able to refer you to a, a local organization. There's organizations like the National Federation um, for the Blind. Um, there are many local organizations that help people with low vision and you can contact those as well. But I would start with your area agency on aging. They are really designed to be a clearinghouse for every kind of issue that may face anybody over 50 years old. Okay, and specifically within that community. So that's wonderful advice. Uh, here's a question saying that my doctor seems very rushed all of the time and doesn't have time to talk. So what's the best way to address this? Well, the first thing I would do is... Um, I'm in a position where I have an opportunity to hear from both patients and physicians. And so many physicians find themselves being rushed because they've had an emergency, they've gotten behind. And one of the things I would really advise you to do is just let them know, just call attention to the fact that you feel rushed. 
And no one can really argue with the fact that you feel rushed, and no one can take real offense to that. So if you state it in terms of a feeling, you know, doctor, I feel rushed right now, and I'm pretty sure you don't mean for me to feel that way. And I say that in quotes because you could give them a good reputation to live up to. (laughs) They may not really care if you feel that way, but you want them to believe at that moment that you know that they don't want you to feel rushed. And so that will really help you to get the physician to slow down a little bit. At the same time, the other thing I would recommend is making sure that the physician takes their notes when they're not looking at you when they're not looking at you and talking to you when they are looking at you. So, in other words, you don't want them taking their notes, talking to you, looking at their computer, but I would just encourage you to ask them to please, you know, can I have your attention when you're talking to me? All right. All right. I think and so it's uh, being very direct, being very honest seems to be the overarching theme. It's the theme, and I think that in general, those of us that are 50 and older were really raised to not be direct with physicians. We're raised to, to listen and not pose questions. And I think that most physicians now want to be your partner and they want to work together with you. The only way they can is if we are honest and we are direct. All right. So here's one. We have time for one more question. You know, what if you've done some research on your condition and perhaps found it on the internet or or through friends, maybe even another doctor, and the doctor is giving different advice? So how without without setting up a, a inflammatory sort of confrontational uh, exchange, how, how how do you suggest handling that? How do you present information that you might be finding in the newspaper or on the internet to the doctor? I personally have done that because I do a fair amount of research myself online. And I think physicians now expect, in fact, if they don't expect people to find information other places, then they are also probably not a physician you want to have because you want somebody that keeps up with things his or herself as well. But what you want to do is just be honest again, just keep being honest, keep being forthright, and say, I found this information. I would like to discuss this with you. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much. That was the last uh, last uh, moment we had for our question this time. We want to take a take a moment to thank Marty Bailey for joining us today, and thank everyone who joined the call and asked questions. We will be posting a recording and a transcript of our call on our website, and you can also listen and download past past chats on both iTunes and SoundCloud. And if you if you don't have access to those, you can always call us, and I'll give that number in a moment, and we can send you a, a transcript or figure out a way of getting a recording of the call to you. Our next chat will will be on meeting the challenges of macular degeneration, and it will be a personal journey, a personal story from one of our uh, from one of our friends at the foundation, and that'll be on Monday, November 24th at 1 p.m. Eastern. That's 10 a.m. Pacific. We certainly encourage you to register and submit questions in advance, and we'll be sending you a reminder email if you registered for this call. In fact, you can actually register for that November chat right now and also request free low-vision materials from Bright Focus like our Macular Degeneration Essential Facts brochure. You can do that by calling us at 
437-2423 or by visiting our website at brightfocus.org. That's .org. Again, that's 1-800-437-2423 or brightfocus.org. Thank you, everyone, again for all of your feedback. If you'd like to leave a comment after the call, just stay on the line. Thanks again from all of us at Bright Focus, and have a great day. The information provided in this recording is a public service of Bright Focus Foundation and is not intended to constitute medical advice. Please consult your physician for personalized medical, dietary, and or exercise advice. Any medications or supplements should only be taken under medical supervision. Bright Focus Foundation does not endorse any medical products or therapies.